Hey guys. You know, I'm usually not nervous when I uh, preach, but after Greg's message and then the band, I mean, I don't think I can live up to those expectations, guys. They just did great this morning. So I think we're just going to go ahead and dismiss. I mean, uh, seriously, though, Greg, that was great this morning. Very good. Um, and the band is awesome. Absolutely. Um, so give you a little background for uh, myself. Um, I've not preached on a Sunday morning since I've become a youth pastor. Yeah, it's my first time. And uh, to give you a little bit of uh, insight into my mental state, whenever I went for the first time to preach to the youth, man, I had this stuff lined out. It was going to be just the best. We went like 30 minutes. I was just like, man, that was great. And it fell so flat. Now, they said it was good, but I'm telling you, it was too long, and I had to reassess how I was preaching. And so for the past, like, five, six months, I have, like, cut everything down to, like, five to, like, 15-minute max services. And uh, what's cool about that is I did realize that the length of a message does not matter. It's that if you get across the revelation, and it's something that you can remember. And so today, this could go five minutes, or it could go like 45 minutes. I really don't know because it's been so long since I've prepared for something besides youth. So uh, bear with me. <laughs> um, I am uh, certain that today's message is what it's supposed to be. Um, so many of the points that I was supposed to talk about, Greg did. So he just laid the groundwork for me. Um, I could probably just use his, his scriptures for what we're going to do, and it would still fit. And we did not coordinate on what we we're talking about. So it's pretty cool how God does that. Even so much to the point where the media team can attest to this. Last night at 6 o'clock, I sent them all these slides and scriptures. And uh, Charles was so good this morning. He got here early, prepared all of these pictures, got them ready for me. Yeah, and uh, last night I changed what was going to be preached on. So... Uh, thank you, Charles, for all the hard work. It is appreciated. Um, thank you for switching it up this morning. Um, but what's funny is, you know, I've had a, I've had this message that I'm that I'm going to talk about kind of in my head in bubbles. I don't know if y'all that makes sense to y'all, but like it's a lot of experiences that I've had and a lot of like time spent in the church, and then also tied back with my experiences. And I've had it together, but I just didn't know how to get it out, and I knew it would be a difficult thing to do. Um, and so I was going to preach something that was a little easier, um, and God gave me permission to do either one, which is pretty cool. Um, but he said, would you rather do something easier, or would you rather do something hard? And so today, we're going to do something a little more difficult. So you can put my title up there, and you can see how complex it's going to be. Go ahead. I don't know if y'all have one up there. Did y'all not put one? Nope, never mind. It doesn't matter. Um, so today, we're going to talk about the region beta paradox. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's a little, little different today, um, but I do want to give you all a little bit of background in myself. One of my pet peeves is when I go to like a church or I listen to something online and they tell a story, but they don't tell the details of what happened to them because the people that they speak, they speak to, they think everybody knows every detail. So I'm going to give you all a quick recap about my life, just so maybe 95% of y'all probably know most of this, but for the 5%, this is for y'all. <laughs> So 
back in 2019, I was doing a message for uh, Alive. We were going over the gifts of the Spirit. We are going over the manifest gifts. And I was preparing for the message, and I was going over, you know, laying on hands. You know, it's like, cool, that's great, I got that. Then I was doing one on raising the dead and casting out demons and how the Word says we're supposed to be doing these things. And I got real convicted, and I said, God, I need you to, you know, help me out. Like, I feel a little hypocritical talking about these things when I've never done these things. Um, and I prayed a prayer that was kind of scary. I said, God, I'm not asking you to put somebody dead on my front porch or anything, but I just want you to give me an opportunity. Um, the next week, I was driving on home alone, and there was a guy on the side of the road having a seizure on the side of the road. Um, nobody was there. He was in the middle of the road. Pulled over, drug him out of the road laid hands on him he started like speaking in different language stuff like spitting like demon stuff i prayed for him uh he almost died in my arms it was wild uh, i said in jesus name be healed he opened his eyes and he was great crazy story crazy miracle happened particularly because i asked for it god's so comical because it happened about 80 yards from my front door and i made a joke not in my front not on my front door so be careful what you pray for because God can do some pretty weird stuff to you. Um, but I had that whole encounter and I was like, man, like that's so weird because I felt like, I know this is weird, but I had a, I had a feeling that God did that miracle for me and had that encounter just because I wanted it. It wasn't necessarily for him, that God, now don't get me wrong, he, he encountered God, but it was really more because I asked for it, which is really strange to me to think about the concept of getting a miracle because you ask for it and and with someone else involved in, in the sense it was just strange um and i was talking to my mom about it this is uh now you know beginning of 20 it was at the end of 19 beginning of 20 could be getting the years mixed up end of 20 beginning of 21 that's it and i told her i was like you know i said i said why aren't we seeing more of these miracles in the church why are we not seeing these manifest presence just prevalent with the people in the congregation um, and she made a statement she said it was because there's no need we live in a world where we don't need miracles and until you have in this desperate this time of desperation then you cry out for the miracles and it i, I was like man whew, that's crazy <laughs> well fast forward if y'all don't know my story serena pregnant got covid spent almost a hundred days in the icu I uh, was on life support while pregnant. Um, my son was born at 26 weeks premature, which, by the way, is very early. He was born two pounds, one ounce. Um, spent over 100 days in the NICU. Um, they finally end up both coming home on oxygen. Um, and I've had multiple doctors tell us during the process that this was a miracle that happened. You know, I was set down and said that, that be prepared for one, if not both, not to make it. Um, and so I was in a time of need, and so I kind of asked for it, I guess. But I was in this time of need and desperation, and I asked for a miracle. And it happened. And what's weird about, I say what's weird, what, what's, what's interesting about the whole process, you know, I've, I've lived a life of faith my entire life. Um, you know, I've, I've definitely had my, had my backsliding moments. But for the most part, I've, tr I've strived for the deeper things of God. I always have looked for him. I've, I've, I've tried to be exactly who I felt like God's called me to be. Um, and in this time of desperation, 
you know, when we started off in this journey, Serena's in the hospital, or Serena's, you know, sick. She's really coughing really bad. We hadn't gone to the hospital. I were believing. I'm praying. I'm like, God, I'm a man. I'm, a, I'm speaking faith. I'm spitting it. You know, I'm spitting every word you can spit. Like, you talk about scriptures. I was saying them, and I was believing them. And then we went to the hospital. I'm like, this is, this is short term. We're going to be out of here. I'm spitting it. I'm like believing it. Like God's going to come through. We're about to walk out. The dark's about to come in and she's going, we're going to go home tomorrow. And she didn't. And this process kept going and going and it just kept getting worse and worse. And my situation kept getting worse and worse. And during that time, I came, I, I had a conversation with Taylor Wilson um, I wasn't talking to many people during this time because I was trying to figure it out for myself. But I was talking to him about it, and he said, he asked me a question. He said, Joel, he said, we, we believe in faith, and you're doing the right things. He said, but why are you a Christian? Do you, do you believe in the things of God? Do you believe in God because of the things he can do for you, or do you believe who he is just because of who he is and what he's already done? And it changed my entire process in this whole moment. And so I began, if you look at any of my old Facebook posts, you're going to see me say, God is good. God is good. That's what I would say all the time. Um, in fact, during that time, we started, we started singing uh, the song Evidence. You know, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. All over my life. And I know I'm a terrible singer, but I'm telling you, I sang that song so many times. And it was a it was a it was a faith song for me, because I didn't see any evidence of goodness in my life. I said, "Help me, help me remember when I'm weak, that fear may come, but fear will leave." And so I began to hold on to like saying, "Hey, this fear that I've got, it's part time because we're human, right? We're not supposed to have fear." I did a whole message about fear and how difficult fear can be when it grabs one of your body. Or if y'all remember that, it was a, it was the whole thing was about fear. Well. We're human. It's going to come. But we can't hang on to it very long because if you just let it go, it's not that heavy. I, I, I heard a, uh, I saw, I saw a, a professor talking about how, how heavy is this glass of water. You know, somebody would say 8 ounces, 12 ounces. And he goes, well, the weight of it doesn't matter. It's a matter of how long you hang on to it. If you hang on to this for an hour, it's, you know, it might be a little heavy. Hang on to it for 10 hours, it's going to become really heavy. If you try to hang on this thing for 24 hours, you're going to get numb. And so the weight that you carry, the longer you carry it, you become numb to it almost. And so that's the revelation that came out of that. And so until I got to that point, then the miracle started coming, right? I didn't care. And I know this is a, this is a, this is a wild thing to say, but I came to a point that regardless if Serena or Isaac came out of the hospital, regardless if they made it or not, it would not change who God is. It would not change my relationship with him, and it wouldn't make me go off the deep end and say, I don't believe in God anymore. I don't believe in faith. And until I got to that place, I didn't see the change start happening until I got to that place. And what's really crazy is that when I finished all this traumatic event, everybody was like, oh, man, you're going to need some counseling. You're going to need to, you know, I was like, man, I'm actually pretty good. Like, I know it sounds weird, guys, but I'm actually pretty good. Like, I'm pretty happy. Like, we got out of the hospital. We had another baby. Like, everything was great. Like, and, and even to this day, I don't feel like these trauma this traumatic event that was traumatic, I don't feel like it left a scar at all. I feel like instead it strengthened me to be somebody different. 
And so I've been thinking about that for almost two years now and how to put that down on paper. How, to, how do you go through these traumatic events and come out better because of it? And how does it, how does it, how does it affect you, right? And how does it affect our church today? And so I saw this, <laughs> I saw this, 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 this theory that a professor gave. Um, and <laughs> so it's not going to be easy. I'm going to do my best, all right, because I'm a mathematic guy. And so I have like a mathematic chart. It's only Josh is going to appreciate it. But, uh, and he's probably like, oh, that's not correct. If you're going to do the theory of this, it's not, you know. But uh, th thank you for, thank you for respecting it. Um, so it's called the region beta paradox is what it is. Um, it was first illustrated by Daniel Gilbert. He was a professor of psychology at Harvard. And so the concept is they did a study about people who either bike or walk. All right. So if you walk, if you had to walk one mile, if you had to travel a distance of one mile, then you would probably walk it. If you had to travel a distance of more than one mile, then you would ride your bike, all right? Less than a mile you walk, more than a mile you bike. Well, the paradox comes in is that the paradox is that if you biked the shorter distance, then you would actually show up faster. So if you look at the graph, put the graph up, this is really, 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 really nerdy. Um, so the concept is you can actually go further with the other distance, all right? So, boy, this is, this is going to be real fun for y'all. So the bottom line is the bike. The top line is the, is the walking, all right? So this is, this is if you were to walk it. It would take you about 20 minutes to walk. It would take you only five minutes if you biked. In fact, in the 20 minutes time, you could have gone five miles. So that's the concept. You get in this place of thinking, oh, well, it's not that far. I'll just walk. When in fact, you could get a lot further if you biked, all right? So that's the basic concept. That's, the, what, that's how it started, all right? So the concept that when you put it into, into real reality is the basic concept is something isn't that bad, then we endure it far longer than we need to, and then you get stuck in what is known as region beta. So region beta is the part to the left. The time that you spend longer doing something that's not quite as faster because it's not that bad. All right. Let's put it in, uh, in an example that's that's a little more easier for us to understand. All right. So let's talk about let's talk about your jobs. I can attest to this. All right. I was in a job that I that I enjoyed. I liked what I was doing, um, and it wasn't that bad. I, you know, I, I enjoyed what I did, um, but I felt like I probably could be better somewhere else. But I didn't go look for something better because something didn't happen. It's not like, you know, my boss was, you know, extremely awful. It wasn't like I was doing these un insane hours. It wasn't like it apexed enough to where it caused me to change my situation. So I stayed. And if it wouldn't have been for one of my best friends begging me to apply for a different position at a different bank, I probably would still be there until it hit this apex of, oh, it's too hard. Now I'm going to look for something else. But I can tell you today that because I made the change, I get paid more money. 
I have better situation at work. I got better benefits. And so we all know these people that are in this job that it's like, oh, it's okay. But you could probably make in more money somewhere else. You could probably get in better benefits somewhere else, have a better boss somewhere else. If you just simply, if it got bad enough, it would cause you to change. Let's think about relationships. Let's think about when you're dating. Oh, you know, he's not that bad. I've been there. Not he's not that bad, but you know, you know, I remember dating a girl thinking, oh, it's not that bad. Yeah, we argue a whole bunch, but it's not that bad. Like it could be worse. I could have that girl. I know. I don't want that girl. But then I also in the background, so I could have this girl who was Serena. It actually wasn't like that. But, but. You know, I did come to a point to where, luckily, I was spiritually mature enough to say, you know, am I going to marry this girl? And the answer was no. And so I made a decision to, to break up with this girl. A lot of people don't have that spiritual maturity when they're dating because it's like, oh, well, there is this attraction. Like, I love this person. Maybe they're going to be who they're going to be. But since it's not that bad, I'm not going to take the extra step to find somebody else. They are stuck in region beta. That's the paradox that we're talking about here. Um, they did more studies about region beta. This is, this is studies of people that go through extreme exposure um, for traumatic events, like, like terrorist attacks. People that go through these, these, these encounters, they, they study their psychological behavior. They study people that go through traumatic events. And what they find is that... <clears throat> People tend to recover more quickly from more intense emotions or pain than from less distressing experiences. Meaning that our psychological mind, like we are made to react, improve, and recover quickly under extreme stress, under extreme trauma, because your body wants, does not supposed to be in beta, it's supposed to be in alpha. It's supposed to be in the better place, and so our mental state will get us there if you if you if you have extreme uh, trauma, like I did. Right, I went through this extreme trauma. I come out better because of it. But let's say that this this drug out for you know it wasn't that bad, and it had drug out for two three years. I might have been in this stressful state that's not that bad, and then I come out the other side, and I'm worse off because of it. I'm still stuck in region beta. I never jumped into alpha because it wasn't bad enough. All right? So I, I truly believe that the average church today is stuck in region beta because it's not that bad. All right? Because we live in a, a culture where it could always be worse. I could live in Ukraine. I could, you know, I, at least I've got a roof over my head. At least I get a paycheck, right? I feel like the majority of today's people are stuck in this region beta because they don't experience this extreme level of distress because they, they so they don't want, they don't have to change. They don't feel like they have to because they're in a state of comfortable complacency. And so they get in this spot, right? They get in this, this middle spot where like, it's not that bad, I'm gonna stay here. And so it's, and, and it's just too hard to change. It's just too hard to find another girlfriend or another boyfriend. It's, I'm still talking to youth, I'm sorry guys. It's too hard to get in a different job, right? 
It's too difficult. And realistically, it's not that bad. It could be worse. And that is what I feel like the enemy's trick right now is in the Western society. Because we live such a easy life as, as Americans. Now, don't get me wrong. We have real trauma that we go through. We really do. But as a whole, it's pretty easy. I mean, how many people are here pretty comfortable right now as far as like temperature wise? It could be a lot hotter. It could be a lot colder. Anybody in here dying of starvation right now? Nope, don't think so. Right? I, some of them you may feel that because it's time for lunch, but it's because our bodies are so adapted to eating every three hours. Two hours? Mr. Johnny's every two hours. You know? Um, but we get to this place where it's just not that bad. I also believe that's why we're not seeing miracles today. You know, raise your hand if you've seen a miracle, a true testified miracle in the last month. Terry has. All right? We got a lot of faith-believing people in here. Now, I don't know if y'all have known Terry's story, but he's got some miracles that have happened here recently. Um, you know what, Terry? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I put him on the spot. I'm just messing with him, Terry. But he's, he, he really has had some real miracles that happened. But it's because, and I'll tell you, he was pushed over his point of distress, and he needed an answer. He didn't want to get his chest cracked open. I don't know if y'all know the story yet, but Terry has got has had a heart condition for a long time, and... They did, a, they did a study on his ch chest. They were going to have to do what they call an ablation. I'm going go way too far. I didn't plan on this, Terry. But yeah, so we go into the situation, and they're going to have to cut him open, split his chest open, do an open-heart surgery, and remove scar tissue on his heart from all this distress that his heart's been over his entire life. They do this little, this little study, and they say, oh, there's definitely scar tissue there. You know, we hadn't finalized it up, but you're going to have to have open-heart surgery. Just prepare for that. If he'd have had open-heart surgery, he couldn't have gone to youth camp. We'd have had to find somebody else to drive the bus. We'd have had to find, you know, don't get me wrong, I, I was selfish, like, oh, Terry, please, just don't, please make it. <laughs> please. <laughs> you know, I really don't have to drive this bus. I'm going to have to beg people to come. He stood and believed, and, and we had long conversations about it. And, and I actually shared with him my situation that even if you have to have open heart surgery, Terry, would it change who God is? And he got to a position where he said, nope. He got a call last week and said, Terry, we, we misread the report. There's no scar tissue. He stepped over into region alpha like we're supposed to instead of staying in region beta. The distress got too much. He was ready for a change. His spirit, his spirit was crying out for the better things of God, what we're supposed to be in walking in miracles. But I believe that he didn't, if he didn't have that stressful scenario, he may, not, he may have just said, you know what? I'll just I'll, I'll settle with it because modern medicine will take care of me. I'll be okay. You know, open heart surgery. People have it every day. If it wasn't that stressful for him, but because it affected him spiritually, he's like, no, nah, no, thank you. I ain't doing that. That's good. Um, I think the enemy understands and figured out this paradox as well. And so, so many of us live an okay life we live an okay life we have a job that we get paid enough to get our bills maybe tithe a little we're in friendships that are just okay and we let people sometimes maybe walk over us but it's not that bad like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's not that bad but I tell you that when it gets to the situation of it is that bad, we always come to him as Christians, right? 
when we get if when we wait until we are in desperation mode and we cry out for Jesus to pull us out of the storm, right? That's what we do typically. We wait until we're in desperation mode. We wait until there's just nothing else that matters. Nothing else can work. God, I need your help. God, I need you to pull me out of this storm. God, I'm tired of being in Region Beta. I don't want to get in Region Alpha. Help me out. Thankfully, His grace and His mercy is enough. He is forgiving. He loves. He is always there. And He is always there to pull us out. But I can tell you that the ideal model is not to only come to Him in times of need. It's not. It's to have, live a lifestyle of praise. It's to live a lifestyle of worship. It's the lifestyle of understanding the goodness of God and that we are made for better things, guys. We are made for region alpha. We are made to walk in the things of God and be successful in our careers, to be happy at our jobs. And I know that sounds weird, right? We're called to be happy, right? I, I, I tell Isaac all the time, I'm not kidding. Every single morning he wakes up and, <laughs> and I'm like, hey, buddy, you got to remember you're a happy kid. He'll go, <laughs> I have to remind him every day. Every day I have to remind the little dude because he wakes up. He's like, wake up. <laughs> and if I didn't tell him, I believe he would have a bad day. So I tell him every single day, you're going to have a good day, kid. And so I don't have to tell Sophia that yet because she wakes up happy. I don't know where she gets that from um, because I'm not a happy morning person. <laughs> Serena's not a happy morning person. <laughs> um, but it's not that bad, guys. It's not that bad. Oh, gosh. No, wait, wait, no. <laughs> no, seriously, though, I tell him every day. I have to tell him to live in the – it's a daily renewal of his mind. Romans 12, 1, it's a daily renewal. That's not a scripture I gave you. I'm sorry. No, it's, it's a daily renewal. We have to remind ourselves every day who we are in Christ. Because if we don't, we just fall back into this comfortable complacency of it's not that bad. And then we sit and we just, we, we go through the motions, right? Well, I'm supposed to go to church. I'm supposed to serve. Don't get me wrong. This church serves more than any church I've, been, I've ever heard of, percentage-wise. It's all good. But when do we just, just praise His name, Right? thank you for where I'm at right now, right? We, I'll tell you this. Even as a kid growing up, you know, I used to get nervous whenever I would go to the altar. If I wanted to go to the altar to praise and worship, if I wanted to, 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 you know, to cry out to God and just, you know, get in his presence, just, just soak him up. Just sit, at my, just sit at my father's feet. I would get nervous because I would think, Man, if I go down there and get on my knees and like if, if the spirit starts moving, maybe if I start crying a little bit, everybody's going to think i got a whole bunch of stuff going on. People are going to try to start praying for me because they think something's wrong with me. And I just want to sit in his presence because everything's okay in my life right now. How sad is it that me as someone who's been in church my whole life feel like, not it's not necessarily as much today, but feel like just because someone goes to the altar and they feel the presence of God, it just automatically means that they've been in the pits and they're finally coming out. It's a learned behavior. It's because that's what people normally do. And I'm not talking necessarily just about this church. I'm talking about in general, 
That's what we do. We wait until the absolute last moment of desperation, and then we need him. Thankfully, we have a father who loves us enough. All right? So earlier in the week, I was talking to Greg a little bit about you know, some of, my, some of my thoughts, and he really corrected me a lot of my mindset, and it really affected in a positive way my outcome, my, my outlook on this. Um, but if you look at Scripture, and Greg talked about this this morning as well, um, you can put up, uh, let's do Luke 19.40. So the Pharisees, this is, Jesus had just got down from the Mount of Olives, and he was, had the people all around him. And they were praising his name. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus, you are the son of God. They were praising his name. They were worshiping and praising his name out loud. And the Pharisee says, you better make your people stop praising you. Like, you're getting in trouble, dude. Like, you got to stop. Make them stop. And Jesus said, if I keep them quiet, the stones along the road will burst into cheers. Let's go look at another one. Isaiah 55, 12. I think it's right. 55, 12. Yeah. If you will live in joy and peace. Amen. The mountains and the hills will burst into song, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. It is written in the Word that He will be praised even if you don't. If the, if, if the people stop praising God, and they say, you know what, I'm just done praising Him. Now, I'm not saying stop worshiping Him and loving Him, praising Him. Then the earth will cry out. The rocks themselves will begin to cry out. Now, I'm not a geologist, but rocks are earth, and we have earthquakes. Could it be that the rocks crying out, or the earthquakes are the way the rocks are crying out for his name? Could it be that the winds moving in a crazy way could be a tornado's, could be a tornado? Could it be that the tornado could be a wind crying out to God because we're not crying out enough? Could it be that this climate control thing that we're happening, that's all over the news, all the different weather changes, all the different things going on, could it be that we're not praising Him enough? Because the earth will cry out for Him. I think it's time that we start just praising His goodness. Right? Let's, we can put back up Greg's scripture, the 10th verse. I think it was Psalms 34.10, right? God is so good. His goodness, He's already done everything that He's supposed to do. He has given us all the tools, all of the scriptures, everything that we are required to do to live a fulfilled, joyful, peaceful, prosperous life. In fact, that's His, that's his will for us. Let's say, yeah, yeah. Uh, the young lions lack and suffer, but those... But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. If you seek the Lord, you're not supposed to lack any good thing. You're not supposed to, you're not supposed to live a okay. It's supposed to be good. You're not supposed to lack a good thing on this earth. And for somewhere, somewhere in, this, in this concept, we figure out that God is good. And we ask Him every single time we're... You know, I understand depression is real. I understand that cancer is real. I understand that heart issues are real. But he's given us the tools to beat those things, right? I've done a whole message on it before. I almost talked about it again today, but it's the power of your mind, right? You can speak things into existence. Jesus said even greater works than you'll, that you'll do than I'll do. Even greater, right? I have to speak 
life into Isaac. Because <laughs> if I speak death, he's going to have a bad day. I do it for myself. I tell myself, Joel, today you're going to be a, you're going to be happy, Joel. And I tell you, if I'm tired, don't get me wrong, guys. I'm not perfect. So sometimes you'll see me. If you just, if you saw me last Saturday, I was I was I was beat up. If you saw me after church last Sunday, I was beat up, guys. I was tired. And what's so funny is if I'm a little exhausted and I'm not myself, everybody in here, I'm I'm not kidding. I will get ten questions. Are you okay, Joel? Are you okay? Because I put on this 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 joy. I try my best to let joy e explode. So I don't need him every single day for my joy. He is who I get my joy through. But he's given me the authority to have that and walk in it. And so when I come to, to worship, when I'm in my truck by myself, I'm not having to cry out to God, God, please get me out of this, 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 this mess I'm in. I'm just saying thank you for everything you've done for me. Thank you for your name. Thank you that I am, um, I am a child of the Most High God. You see, today, so many times I see people and they come to the altar and they just got their head down. And they feel, I feel like they're just coming and they're asking for a crumb from the table. Oh, Lord, I'm so weak. I'm so, I'm so lowly. Please, God, give me a crumb from the table. I don't know about y'all. When I go to my parents' house, I don't ask for crumbs from the table. In fact, I say, Mama, can you go in there and make me some fried chicken? And do I do it? Every time, I don't ask for, you know, just a little bit of something. No, I open up the fridge. I'll make myself something to eat. I'll prepare a table myself. That's how it's supposed to be in the kingdom. He has prepared a table for us. We don't have to walk in this, this meekness, this please just give me a little bit. No, we can go take anything we want. And we should praise his name because of that. You know, there's over 20 scriptures in the Bible that talk about the children of God, of, of us being children of God. How about us being the most high, about us being prince and princesses from the king of kings. We don't, we, we don't understand the concept of king because we've never been in that, that world. We, we've lived in a democracy. But think about a king as the ultimate ruler. And the scripture talks about him being the king of kings. And we are his child. So we're above the kings of the earth. If you really look at it like that. And so this, this we don't have to live in, in poverty. We don't have to live in sickness. We don't have to live in comfortable complacency. We are called to region alpha. And I think it's time that we just start praising him because of it. And in... And I don't want this to be misinterpreted to where it's not okay to come to the Father in times of distress. That's what we're supposed to do. Don't get me wrong. But it's not the only time. Let's not let every time we come to our Father, it's needing something every single time. Let's just, when we see somebody at the altar, we're like, oh man, he's just loving on God. He just wants to get into the presence. Because I'll tell you, that's where this whole message came from, guys. It came from a lifetime of of feeling a little out of place at times when the only thing I want to do is just enter into his presence for nothing else to sit at my father's feet and I've felt out of place at times when I've been there because I feel like people come to God because they need something every single time and I always feel weird and my, and my, my flesh feels weird 
because my spirit is just saying, man, you don't need anything. Like, because I'll be sitting there like, all right, God, you know, let me have a good day. No, I got that already. Um, you know, let me have a good, oh, I've got that. Uh, forgive my sins. I'm just here, God. That's what I'm here for. I'm just here for you. And my flesh is weird because I've been conditioned to understand that if you need God, if you, if you come to God, you better be asking for something. You don't have to ask for anything. It's already yours. I was talking to my, uh, this is my last, my, la my last little thing. I promise. I, I feel like I'm done. It wasn't five minutes. So I'm happy. I was talking to my small group last week. I have the uh, senior senior guys uh, in our small group. Um, once once a month, in case y'all didn't know, once a month we split all of our all the youth up into small groups. So we have six different small groups. We have three boys, three girls. Uh, me, Terry, Casey, Jenny, Terry, Man, Jenny, Mandy, Serena. Um, and so I'm, I'm I am fortunate enough to have the high school boys, right? The ones that are you know cool real cool <laughs> and I was talking to him I was like you know the reason that I liked the presence of God the reason that I enjoy it the reason I strive for it is because I know who he is I know who God is based off my experiences and based off of what I've read based off my revelations I know who God is and I want to spend time with him alright let's take that back to the way that the youth senior boys can handle it. Think about a girl, right? Think about a girl. You find a girl that you have some attraction to, whether it's a physical, let's, let's say it starts with physical attraction. All right? You're attracted to this girl. Then you ask her on a date because you want to get to know who she is a little bit. Then, if you like her a little bit, then what happens? You just want to spend time with them. That's it. That's all you want to do is spend time with them. There's no different than that and God because God is just as just as real as anything else. So you think about when you become a Christian, you hear this message or you hear this, this idea or this concept of heaven and hell and there's a God that loves you and he sent a son to die for you. And if you believe in the son and you sacrifice your life for him and confess your sins, then you'll be saved. And you're like, man, that's interesting. That's pretty cool. Whether it's, I don't want to go to hell, or, man, I love the fact that there's a God that loves me. There's an interest that happens. There's a spark. And you get that spark. And so you ask him on a date, right? So you go to church. Maybe you read your Bible a little bit. What happens is that we get there, and we get comfortable. Hey, I'm going to heaven. I believe in Jesus. Jesus loves me. I love him. We're cool. I'm cool with God. Everybody heard, anybody heard say that? Me and the man upstairs, we're cool. Well, you don't ever go on dates with them. And so the relationship never progresses. And the reason it's not progressing further, the reason you don't want to spend time with them is because you don't know who he is. If you truly know who he is, you want to spend time with them. So I encourage y'all today, let's not get stuck in region beta. Let's get out of beta and get into alpha. If you feel like you're in this comfortable complacency, don't wait for 
something to change. Don't wait for it to get bad enough to change. Don't wait for your relationship with God to where you feel like there's all kind of walls up that you've put up. Don't wait for all the walls to get up to bust them down. Just constantly enter into his presence because you love him. Because you just want to spend time with him. Don't feel weird about sitting where you are on a Sunday morning or going to work and just being like, hey God, I'm just here because I want to be here. That's it. I just want to sit in your presence and watch what happens. Watch your life transition from beta to alpha. Watch what happens with your, with your, with your, with your entire outlook on life. It begins to change. Because of Jeremiah 29, 11, which is not what I plan to put up there either. But it's because we have a plan to prosper, plan, plan for good things. We have a pl- he has a plan for us for that. We're not called for complacency. So I'm going to dismiss this today. I'm going to pray that we enter into God's presence because we want to, not because we need to. All right? So stand to your feet.